Welcome to the BMJ podcast. In the UK, the Alzheimer's Society predicts that if the rates of dementia remain constant, there'll be 1.7 million people in the country living with the condition by 2050. But we also know that things like improvements in cardiovascular health are changing those rates. Now, new research published on bmj.com attempts to model what the outcomes of those changing factors might be. I'm Duncan Jarvis, multimedia editor here at the BMJ, and to discuss, I'm joined by one of the authors of that paper. Sara Amadi Abari is a research associate in the Department of Epidemiology and Public Health at the University College London. Sara, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. As I said at the beginning, the whole picture of dementia is changing, rates, longevity as well. Um, so can you give us some background here? What's actually going on? Um, so, yes, thank you. Well, the previous forecasts for dementia, including the those for Alzheimer's society that you mentioned, um, those assume that the age-specific prevalence of dementia remain constant over time. So basically, they assume that the only thing that is changing the picture for dementia in the population is uh, the population aging. But um, similar to several other studies in Western Europe, we found that in the English longitudinal study of aging, that the age-specific incidence of dementia has declined over the past 15 years, uh, which means dementia is being shifted to later years in life. On the other hand, uh, population data show that cardiovascular disease and mortality rates have also declined over the past two to three decades, and life expectancy is going up. So the decline in incidence of dementia on the one hand, and the increase in life expectancy and the larger pool susceptible to dementia on the other hand, these have opposing effects on forecasts for numbers of people living with dementia. Um, so in terms of what is changing the picture for dementia in the UK, why is it that we see the, in, the decline in incidence of dementia and cardiovascular disease? Uh, this study was not designed to specifically answer the question, but um, epidemiological evidence, and I have to say that this evidence is basically from observational studies, and we have to be cautious in inferring causality from these studies, um, have found strong links between several risk factors and incidence of cardiovascular disease and dementia. For example, uh, there is strong evidence linking education with lower risk of dementia. Also, um, there is evidence linking midlife hypertension and hyper, high blood cholesterol levels to dementia and also smoking and alcohol consumption. And over time, we see improvements in um, control for hypertension and hypercholesterolemia. And also in the UK, um, smoking levels and alcohol consumption is going down. So all of these factors may provide some explanation of why the incidence of dementia and cardiovascular disease is falling. There's a lot going into that changing picture, which obviously makes it complex to model. Um, but before we get into that though, why is it important to do that modelling? We don't have particularly good strategies around prevention or treatment for dementia. So why do you think it's important to model what prevalence will be? Uh, well, um, 
dementia imposes a large burden on the society in terms of the years of productive life lost and also the burden on the carer. So it's not just a person with dementia that's affected, it's also the family and the carers. So dementia has a large burden due to the health and social care needs um, on the society. And we need to be able to plan ahead to meet these needs. And so we need accurate forecasts for numbers of people living with dementia in the future. But the second reason and the main reason why we developed this model and we are doing this type of modeling um, is what we are going to do in the next step of the project, and that is to measure the impact of public health interventions on prevention of dementia and cardiovascular disease. So a public health intervention may actually result in, 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 in an increase in numbers of people with dementia. So, for example, if the intervention's effect on improving life expectancy outweighs the effect on reducing dementia incidence, we might even see that this public health intervention has increased the numbers of people with dementia in the future. But that is a good thing because people are living longer and dementia is being shifted to later years in life. But to be able to see that and see the big picture, we need to model these interventions together and measure which public health interventions are likely to have the highest gains in health. Now, to do that modelling, you've used a particular technique called a probabilistic Markov model, which I hadn't actually heard of until reading this paper. Um, is it very different from the models that were used in the past to try and work out numbers? Um, so, basically, what is different is that the previous forecasts, including those for the Alzheimer's Society UK, what they have done is they assume that the age-specific prevalence of dementia remains constant in the future. So basically they assume that the only thing that is affecting dementia prevalence is the population aging. Um, what is unique about this is that we don't assume that the age-specific prevalence of dementia remains constant. Um, the prevalence of dementia is determined by um, the age-specific incidence and survival with dementia. And age-specific incidence is going down, and that's what we observe, and survival is improving. So these two effects uh, counterbalance one another. But there is no guarantee that um, the effect of these two mean that the age-specific prevalence will remain constant. What we do is we explicitly model the decline in age-specific incidence, and we explicitly model the mortality rates. So um, we actually can get to what the change in um, age-specific prevalence of dementia is in the future. And actually what we do observe using this model is that the age-specific prevalence of dementia is also going down. So the estimates that are based on a constant age-specific prevalence may not be entirely precise. We also account for the effect of comorbidity by cardiovascular disease. So, um, as I explained earlier, if we want to model um, the impact of a public health intervention, we can simultaneously model the effects on cardiovascular disease and dementia and get a better picture of what the health gains associated with that intervention will be. Now, if we dive into your study a little bit more, Dementia is a bit of a bucket diagnosis for a whole range of things that might end up in cognitive impairment. So how did you define it here and how did you measure it in your population? So we used 
a standard set of assessments for cognition and function uh, to define dementia in the study. Um, many diagnostic criteria for dementia, including the DSM-4 criteria, are basically based on cognitive impairment that results in functional impairment. And um, that is the basis of the operational case definition we used in the study. So we did not use clinical data. So that data is not really available. Um, and the second reason is, even if the clinical data were available, um, they might not be um, very useful to determine time trends because the clin clinical diagnostic criteria for dementia is changing over time and the attitude of physicians to diagnosis of dementia is also changing. So um, unless we have completely comparable uh, ways of defining dementia over time, we won't be able to get meaningful rates and we won't be able to get meaningful trends. So in this study, we applied a set of standard objective assessments for cognition and function, which remain, um, uh, which remain constant over time in the study. And based on that, we are able to get um, a, a, an improved estimate of time trends for dementia incidence. So the way we defined dementia, the assessments for cognitive function, included several tests that assess um, orientation to time, the uh, immediate and delayed memory, uh, verbal fluency, and uh, tests for uh, arithmetics. And for functional impairment, that was defined based on the ability of the participants to independently perform basic activities of daily living, that is, getting in or out of bed, eating, using the toilet, uh, showering, uh, walking across the room and dressing. Um, the other reason is, basically, um, even with clinical data, it's very difficult to distinguish between types of dementia because um, many of the cases actually have mixed pathologies. So for, for this project, we haven't done that. Now, there are lots of other factors associated with decreased dementia rates, education, lifestyle, things like exercise. Um, within your model, were you taking those into account um, and if so, did they have an effect? Hmm. So, um, in this particular study, we um, looked at trends in incidence of disease and uh, mortality. And we observed that over the past 15 years, steady and nearly linear decline in incidence of um, dementia and cardiovascular disease and also mortality rates. So. We know that the effect of risk factors um, are opposing uh, for, for some of these risk factors. For example, education is improving, and there is improved control for hypertension and hypercholesterolemia. Cigarette smoking and alcohol consumption are going down. Um, all of these are associated with a reduced incidence of disease, whilst diabetes is going up, which is associated with an increased incidence of disease. Um, but the effect of all of the risk factors together, we observe these steady linear trends. So for the baseline of the uh, model, uh, we assumed what would happen if these trends continue to the future at the rate that they have been declining over the past two decades. If these trends continue to the future, um, we would see that 1.2 million people living with dementia by 2040 in England and Wales. 
We also looked at what would happen if uh, dementia incidence does not continue to decline, if public health we also looked at what would happen if public health efforts fail and dementia incidence does not continue to decline. And in that case, the growth in numbers of people living with dementia would be much larger and uh, there will be 1.9 million people living with dementia in England and Wales by 2040. Um, so we did this sort of sensitivity analysis to look at what would be the effect if dementia incidence declines with, differ, with different rates into the future. Um, we haven't specifically modeled individual risk factors uh, for this particular paper, but in the next steps of the project, we would actually look at um, the public health interventions that target specific risk factors, and we will be able to model what would be the effect if, for example, um, we impose a sugar tax and city rates go down. Um, what would specific effects of these be on uh, future prevalence of dementia, cardiovascular disease, and life expectancy? Okay, so let's get down to what you found. What were the outcomes of your modelling? Could you break that down for us? We found that um, the prevalence of dementia and the overall numbers are increasing in the population. However, the age-specific prevalence of dementia is declining over time, so basically dementia is being shifted to later years in life. Um, the other thing we found is that um, the incidence of dementia in women is slightly uh, larger than the incidence of dementia in men, and uh, the numbers of people living with dementia in women is also larger um, currently. However, um, we see that Mortality rates um, are declining in both men and women, and this is based on the data from the UK Office for National Statistics. But the, the decline in mortality rates in men is steeper than that in women. So um, basically, the increase in life expectancy in men is larger. And uh, in the next 25 years, we will see that the numbers of people with dementia will, will be equal between men and women. The first thing that we looked at, which I'm mentioning second, is um, the trends in dementia incidence in the English Longitudinal Study of Aging. So, as I mentioned earlier, we used the um, objective and standard assessments for cognition and function to derive these time trends in incidence of dementia. But a major challenge in studies of dementia is that Actually, we follow participants, but those who develop dementia are more likely to drop out from the study. So um, this creates a bias in uh, trying to derive uh, time trends in incidence of the condition. Uh, what we did, we fitted a joint model of longitudinal and time to events data to the English Longitudinal Study of Aging to obtain a probability of dementia for the study participants over time, including those that have dropped out of the study. And we used these um, probabilities to correct for the time trend in dementia incidence that we observed. And what we found is that after applying this correction, the decline in dementia incidence is steeper than what was previously reported. So the relative rates um, of uh, so dementia incidence is declining by 2.7% a year in the population, and that's the relative rate uh, reduction. The whole picture that you're painting here is one of changing and shifting demographics. Um, now, if your model 
does prove to be accurate. What do you think that means for provision of care in the UK, you know, nursing homes, hospital care, things like that? What do those changing demographics mean for them? Mm. Um, so, um, basically, what we found in the study is that numbers of people with dementia are growing, but um, the growth in these numbers is not as large as uh, previously thought. But still, the increase in numbers of people with dementia is substantial. And um, the, the burden imposed on the society is also substantial because, because of all the health and social care needs of people with dementia. And that um, it doesn't only affect the person, but the whole family and the people who need to care for that person. So um, really, provision of care homes and, um, and planning to meet the social care needs is very important. But um, what I think is even more important is the investment on prevention, because dementia has no cure so far. And uh, the best we can do to combat this disease is to invest on the prevention. And um, what we found in the study is that because of the decline in dementia incidence, um, the numbers of people living with dementia in the future is much lower than what would have been anticipated if the dementia incidence was not declining. And um, this shows that actually prevention and public health efforts can have, can potentially have a large effect. The modelling that you've done here is really complex and it looks very carefully at demographic factors in the population, which in this case are very UK specific. How applicable do you think the general trend that you've found um, will be in other areas around the world, other settings? For many low- and middle-income countries, um, the uh, picture is quite different. So, for example, we see that um, incidence of cardiovascular disease and the associated risk factors uh, is declining in um, the in Western Europe. However, in many low- and middle-income countries, actually, uh, cardiovascular disease is increasing. And, uh, for example, in China, levels of smoking are soaring. So um, these have uh, very different pictures. Also, the data availability is very different uh, in different parts of the world. So you know, to be able to derive these time trends in dementia incidence, um, high-quality epidemiological studies are needed. And um, such studies are lacking in many parts of the world. So we actually don't have the da necessary data to know um, what the time trends in dementia incidents uh, are in those countries. You've been listening to Sarah Ahmadi Abhari talk about the research paper Temporal Trends in Dementia Incidents Since 2002 and Projections for Prevalence in England and Wales to 2040, a modelling study. That's all for this podcast. But if you've enjoyed it, you can subscribe. We're on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Once there, you can rate and comment as well. It really lets us know what you like and it helps other people to find us. If you're keen, you can find our fullback catalogue on SoundCloud. That's years worth of podcasts, all for free. Just search for BMJ Talk Medicine. We'll be back soon. And next time, we'll be talking about the scandal of wasted research money with Ian Chalmers and Doug Altman. I'm Duncan Jarvis. Thanks for listening.